Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome back, everybody. We are doing another fun episode of the Indie Reads Aloud podcast. This is my excuse to have author people read out loud to me because I am a recovering six-year-old. <laughs> Full disclosure. Right. right? Um, Catherine Michael is here with us again today. She's going to be reading from another of her cozy mysteries called Quilting Calamity love calamity that's great vocabulary use good job thanks <laughs> welcome back i'm so glad you came back. it's so fun it's almost addicting it, it well it is for me that's why i keep doing it, <laughs> it is, it's almost for me too i mean you know <laughs> well you've got more books so you can keep coming back I as will. often as you'd like <laughs> i will keep coming back i love it for those of you who have not heard Catherine reed yet she is also the author of the romantic historical fiction series remind us the name of the series again it was a multi-author project right it is a multi-author project yeah runaway it's a runaway bride series gotcha um on, and she writes that under the pen name of Catherine leblanc so Catherine is her full-time job is being slightly schizophrenic because she gets to be two people at the same time. Multiple personalities. <laughs> she is also an avid quilter and full-time author in both cozy mystery and romance genres. Um, again, I'm so glad that you decided to come back and play with us again. I mean, I know that this is so much silliness, but okay. it's it's really fun it's such a who I am constantly asking people to listen to me read to them and they just keep saying no so the fact that you just keep saying <laughs> yes is like all right you asked for it <laughs> well I, that's what I asked for because like I say I am a recovering six-year-old I was that kid sitting in the front row on the carpet at the library every Sunday morning love it so you can come back and read to me as often as you like so today's selection is Quilting Calamity, which is a cozy mystery. Can you just give us, before you read, a real quick overview of what this story is, and then we'll get into the reading. Sure. This series, this is book two in my Quilting Cozy Mystery series. And um, so what I do with my series is sort of like a home away approach. So book one was she was at home. We were establishing the baseline of her life and, and the story arc and book two, uh, we sent her away. She she's going on a trip. And so it's just an excuse for me to kind of um, mix up the locations and give me something a little exciting to think about sure. every other book. So this is, it's technically a standalone book, but there's tons of stuff in here that will kind of catch you up from book one. 
So if you didn't read book one, you could read this and you would know, you would pretty much have a, a really good idea of what was going on prior to this. Um, they are meant to be read in order, but you know, if you didn't read book one, you'd be fine. And um, so what happened at the end of book one is she got this mysterious letter telling her that she had to take her whole um, neighborhood, basically, most mostly the women, on a cruise. So they went on a mystery cruise. And part of what she's doing on this cruise is she has to take this quilt with her that was left behind. And it's labeled Henrietta, but she doesn't know who Henrietta is and she doesn't know where Henrietta lives. She just knows that she's going on this cruise. She's got the quilt with her and she's going they're going to take a little excursion to an island and she's going to meet Henrietta and Henrietta will later be like a pivotal person um in the series so she gets on a cruise boat where she doesn't know where she's going to end up none of them know where they're going yeah okay. and that's a cool trick nobody would get me on a boat without telling me where it's going to end up you wouldn't <laughs> believe how many people say that's so unrealistic well isn't that the whole point of being a book well yeah it is storytelling after all it is it is we do kind of make things up for a living yeah so So about half a dozen women from the neighborhood they all go on the cruise and none of them know where the the cruise the the travel agent she knows where everybody's going so you know it's not like they're going willy-nilly but it was set up it was paid for um it was from a trusted person that they 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 all take this vacation and go on this cruise well of course you can't go on a cozy mystery cruise and take a vacation <laughs> well no because in a cozy mystery wherever you go there's, there's something afoot something right? afoot exactly exactly so. i'm looking forward to hearing you read um you told me earlier that you're gonna not read directly from page one you're gonna kind of jump in a little yeah, bit i don't know i picked up chapter 12 okay the the title of the chapter is island arrival and um Perfect. i think i think they're gonna arrive at the island i'm not entirely well, sure it's gonna i be. would hope given the title <laughs> i mean you, you never know, know. <laughs> me being a thing for having things congruent that would work for me but <laughs> when you are ready please Catherine, take the microphone and read aloud sounds great okay the following morning Alex poured herself a giant glass of orange juice as the ship's captain announced their island arrival for the early morning over the loudspeaker. Betty was her usual chipper self. Are you excited to get off this ship? You look a little green this morning. Tell you the truth, Betty, I'm not really sure I want to get off this boat with Arthur. We're not going to be with the body, Alex. We're going to be meet Henrietta, Betty said with sass. It seems crude to have an autopsy done at a marine biology school, don't you think? Alex asked, without expecting an answer. Although I'm morbidly curious to find out if they really did put him in the freezer with the ice cream. Well, we'll find out what this Henrietta quilt is all about, Betty said. Yes, there's that. Alex murmured and popped a few slices of bread into the toaster. As she sorted through the jellies looking for strawberry, she turned to Betty. I really am sorry. I was thinking about how you must feel. I know you have a stake in this too, having been known as best friend. What do you think the keys go to? Betty asked, ignoring Alex's statement. I can assume a door. Alex gave Betty a sly smile, though her attempt at humor flopped. 
Alex spread the jam on her toast and sank her teeth into it while waiting for Betty to warm back up to her failed joke. Could be a hidden treasure chest buried under a big red X. You know, with the tropical island and all, Betty mused and flashed Alex a goofy grin. Could be, Alex said absently. But put a slice of cranberry nut... Betty, sorry. Betty put a slice of cranberry nut bread onto her plate. I sure do miss my pies. Me too, Alex agreed and brought her toast and jam to a nearby table. She sat motioning for Betty to join her. I haven't baked in days. Betty stared longingly at the small slice of breakfast bread. Alex felt for her. She imagined going a week without baking for Betty was probably exactly how she felt about going without quilting for any length of time. Here Alex was, being nourished, finally getting to quilt, while Betty was missing the activity that fed her soul. You know, Betty, I wanted to ask you last night if you could employ your special people skills to help us. At that, Betty's eyes widened, her back straightened, and her face lift, and her face lit up with a magnificent grin. I'll get Paul to help me. Paul? From quilting class? Is that who you've been up to? Betty made the gesture of zipping her lips and then said, I don't kiss and tell. Alex shook her head, trying to dispel that unwanted image. She didn't hear anything else after that. She wanted to know more about the grimy old keys, their destination, and the three quilts that Nona had left for an unknown recipient, including Henrietta. She could assume, assume, even if she didn't find all of the answers on this trip, the other two quilts would likely take her on similar future adventures, though that didn't make her any less curious or impatient. Who... Betty's mouth was moving, but Alex wasn't paying attention. Alex, are you listening? Betty, Betty's voice finally snapped her from her reverie. Sorry, Betty. Yes, she said unconsciously. She had eaten both slices of toast, and Betty had apparently eaten her bread and already cleaned up, and she hadn't heard a word she said. Who do you think Henrietta is? Betty asked. I don't have the slightest idea, Alex shrugged. You know, Nona better than I did. She was like a grandmother to me, and we had a friendship, but she didn't share any personal stuff with me over the years. It saddened Alex every time she thought of how little she really had known about Nona, but as much as that pained her, she was still grateful that Nona had raised her through her teenage years and into adulthood. Though impatient, she was grateful for the cruise and the opportunity to find out who the quilts belonged to. They cleared their plates and placed everything in the proper trays and trash bins before heading back to their rooms and getting ready to disembark. After breakfast, Alex readied herself for the crescendo of excitement this afternoon. With a trip to the island, she was finally going to solve the mystery of who Henrietta was. If nothing else made any sense to her, at least this part of the mystery would be solved. Just after noon, she met up with Charlotte, Betty, and Celia at the elevator, which took them to deck three. At the end of the corridor, there was an open section where you could get in, get on and off the ship to participate in water sports. Alex found it strange that none of those activities were offered. At least, she hadn't seen mentioned of any of it in the reading materials. Maybe those activities are for smaller ships, like yachts, rather than larger cruise ships. 
Celia squeezed her arm as they stepped onto the tender, the small excursion boat that would take them to the island. You're ready? Alex leaned into Celia's squeeze. Yes, I am, but I'm still worried about Joey. I hate having to leave him behind, Alex replied. It's been an exhausting few months for all of us, Celia said. For you, working on the case against Nona's murderer, you and me, planning this trip, and Betty, keeping the gossip mill running through it all. Charlotte said, I hope we're in for a nice surprise. Nona had gone through all the trouble to buy the island, book the cruise, and get them on it, and Alex could only speculate that this was it, the moment of truth. Alex had the quilt, Henrietta, inside a quilted bag that Betty had insisted she use. With the bag in her left hand, she felt in the pocket for her shorts for the keys for the right hand. Still there. I didn't get a chance to talk to you during quilting, Alex, Charlotte said. The three younger women made their way to their seats. They sat next to Betty, who waited expectantly for them to join her. What was up with Jane not showing up? Charlotte asked. I don't know. I was in the zone. Honestly, I hadn't even realized she wasn't there. It's not like we really need her at this point. Did you see the addition to her wardrobe, Betty asked? The scarf around her neck, I mean? I wonder what she's hiding. Alex and Charlotte exchanged a Betty look. At the As the boat began to take off, Betty leaned closer and whispered, They loaded the body before we got on, so we wouldn't have to be disturbed by it. Arthur's parents were in earshot, but Alex didn't want to risk them overhearing Betty and get upset. Shh, Betty, please. Betty scoffed audibly. Alex peered at the unhappy couple who sat a foot apart from one another on their own bench. They might as well have been strangers on a train by the way they ignored each other. The only thing they had in common was the contempt on their faces. Alex didn't like the uncomfortable feeling that arose at the sight. This was, after all, supposed to be a fun trip. It isn't as though they planned this ill fate for their only son. The whole scenario was straight out of a television drama show. It was obvious to her that Bertie and Ernesto should be allowed to go with the body to the lab, though the excursion had been intended for the Spruce Street quilters only, except for Lucy, who decided to stay back with Pete for a date with a masseuse. But Alex couldn't reconcile the way the two parents were handling themselves, cold and unfeeling. Of all the cases she dealt with in her 10-year legal career, Murder was the hardest on her, since she came from a small town with very little crime, cocooned in the safety of their close-knit neighborhood on Spruce Street. The sins of the city always caused her to reflect on the human condition. As they got closer to land, Madras Island, another tender, slightly bigger than the one they were on currently, passed by with marine biology students heading for the cruise ship. The whole affair reminded Alex of one of those timeshare deals where they give you a great deal and then they try to sell you something. Only in this case, according to Celia, the cruise line was providing a discount to passengers who supported the marine biology school. It took no more than 10 minutes to get to Madras Island and the women hung back while staff shuttled Arthur off to another awaiting gurney at the dock with his parents following somberly behind. The procession went left toward an unpaved street, and Jane stood off to the right to let them pass. Alex and Celia and Betty stepped off the ship. 
This wasn't the dock where they'd set sail. It was no more than a small fishing pier. Alex eyed Jane's winsome uniform. The two-piece dress suit was perfectly paired, but the scarf around her neck was out of place and had Alex on alert. The scarf reminded Alex of when she'd arrived back on Spruce Street and Nona had used a scarf to cover her hair because she believed she was allergic to grass pollen. We have plenty of water and snacks if you get thirsty or hungry, Jane assured the group and handed Alex a water bottle, which she accepted. She casually inspected the bottle and the cap before taking a drink of water. The sun warmed her skin and she was immediately refreshed. Right this way, ladies, Jane said as she ushered them down the beach. Once Alex and her friends had rounded a grove of exotic trees, a stately two-story white stone house came into view. Here we are, Jane said as she pointed to the front door. The four women looked at each other curiously. Henrietta is the house? Betty asked. No, no, you can go inside. I was told Henrietta would be inside awaiting your arrival, Jane said curtly. Celia and Charlotte both looked at Alex to make the first move, but Betty was already walking toward the door. Luckily, she had the sense enough to knock, which gave the other three time to catch up. Celia and Charlotte held back a step and Alex edged in front of Betty as the door opened. <laughs> to Henri Henrietta. And the mystery <laughs> continues. Yeah. So basically what happened is um, a young 20-something man died on the cruise ship and they were taking the body to the marine biology lab uh, on the island, coincidentally to try to figure out why he was killed and because it's the closest thing they had to a lab exactly it makes perfect sense <laughs> he was in the freezer with the ice cream and <laughs> that's a little weird but okay <laughs> well, it reminded me of like one of those ncis episodes i'm pretty sure they, yeah. they were on a, a submarine, they were on a submarine. Yeah. yeah 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 yep but um, yeah, no. So, so that's what they're doing, and they're they're trying to suss out, you know, how this this young man passed away, and that's the mystery of the the story. So, so um, I ask this of all the authors I meet because I'm weird and I like to know how we tick, um, and especially of authors who write series. Do how much planning goes into writing your series? Are you a passionate plotter? Do you have everything ironed out before you begin to write? Or do you simply have a rough idea of the larger arc of the story and then you pants through it? What's your writing style? Um, I don't pants anything. Uh, I tried that for a split second and I realized that that was just uh, danger waiting to happen. It was just not for me. Uh, so I do plan everything. When I first started the series, uh, the first book I wrote was the very first book I'd ever written in my entire life. So I had absolutely no clue. I mean, I, I went to school to learn how to write and to self-publish, but honestly, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I had a general idea of where the series was going to go over the course of two or three books. My writing coach then said, no, nope, we need five. So I extended my arc to five. He said, no, nope, we need 10. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I had originally a, a little, you know, an arc of the first three books. I kind of had a pretty good idea of where we were going to go with the series. 
then we stretched it to five and I, and I knew that I wanted five to kind of be, um, I wanted it to be my series end. So I wanted it to be, you know, dramatic and thrilling and all this stuff. And then he said, we go into 10 and I had to really rethink the whole thing and figure this out because in my mind, I had ended the series at book and um, I had ended her story arc and, you know, what she was trying to accomplish through the whole series. And I really had to dig in to figure out. And it's funny because we were literally just talking about this this morning, uh, you know, about the next half of the series. So what I call book five is like my mid-season finale. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's fair. Yeah. So there's no cliffhanger or anything like that, but it it basically wraps up her her first arc of of what she thought she wanted um and then when we go through book six through ten we're going to find out um what she really wanted and so she's going to kind of go through another the whole season is going to go through another arc a mini arc so it'll have very fun yeah but i i literally just this morning figured out how i wanted to end it to bring it back to the beginning to to how everything was going to like end and make it satisfying <laughs> like you want it to be satisfying so, for the so now just tell them that you're done with 10 and you're not doing another five <laughs> <laughs> no when I when he said I had to do 10 he said and then when you're done with that 10 you need to start another 10 so in 2024 I'm starting another 10 while I'm working on six through 10 <laughs> that's craziness good luck with that yeah yeah <laughs> Wow. That's, that's a really ambitious goal. Good yeah. for you. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the program. I really enjoyed having you here. Thank you. I love it. It's so much fun. Come back and read to us again. I will. Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.